up everyone and welcome to episode 219 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, I am your host and guide through said podcast. My name is Tim Birkbeck and I hope everyone has been having a wonderful, wonderful week thus far. Um, I'm going to keep this intro as short as I can for a change because I usually babble on, but I've already started babbling. Let's crack on. Um... But I had a pretty busy week. Uh, went and saw Dragula Live, which was incredible. Um, got to see my queen, Sigourney Beaver, but also Dali, just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, if you don't have a clue what I'm on about, go watch Dragula on Shudder, because it's fucking incredible. Probably some of the most artistic drag that I've seen. Um, yeah, apart from that, I've just been working really this weekend watched a lot of wrestling because it was wrestlemania weekend um but also a lot of films and i literally barely moved from my couch and i had a wonderful fucking time um so yeah we're gonna get cracking straight on with this week's guest and it's actually someone that i had the opportunity to see face to face recently bumped into them at Dreadfest because uh i am speaking with guitarist of grindcore Jug, UK juggernauts. I'm going to give him that that crown. There you go. You've you've got it. Uh, Razor Eater, Stephen Pickles. Um, I've known Stephen for several years. I've booked Razor Eater several times back in Portsmouth, and me and Stephen have maintained being friends since then. Whenever we bump into each other, it's always an absolute pleasure. So this, yeah, this was really cool to get him on and actually dig into his brain a little bit more and talk about the history of Razor Eater. Uh, we talk about obviously him his starting music, how his dad has kind of all, and his older brother have been a big influence on getting him into music, but how there's always kind of been music around him in the home. Uh, how his first show was going to see Corn, and he didn't even intend to do it, but he was there. Um, and then the first show that uh, his old band played was it? I've lost track of this, but basically his claim to fame being the the first time that uh parkway drive stepped foot on these shores his band supported them so that's a pretty big damn claim to fame um and we talk about obviously the ups and downs of razor Eater, where they are now and what they're looking to do in the future and so so much more so please enjoy the chat i have with steven and i'll see you on the other side So joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is uh, Riff Master of Razor Eater, Stephen Pickles. Stephen, thank you very much for taking some time to have a little chat with me. Uh, how are you, my friend? And, yeah, I'm all good. Thanks for having me. I would say like long time no see, but I saw you. The yeah, other yeah, that was a, a surprise encounter, wasn't it? Really, I was wandering through drunk, and there you were. <laughs> <laughs> but how is everything in general? Yeah, good, man. Like, uh, it's, it's cool getting back to playing shows and stuff like, after COVID and whatnot, obviously. So, yeah, mm. it's, it's all good. What about yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Like, just been a bit of change of scenery so i'm not in portsmouth anymore i'm i'm in bristol yeah. now so new life just yeah like it's just i feel like i've kind of finally found the city that i like needed to be in sort of thing because yeah portsmouth is fucking dead yeah no i agree I've, I've i've had a similar experience recently i moved out of peterborough and i've 
uh, now in Birmingham. Oh, nice. Grindcore Central of the UK, <laughs> where, where it all started, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, kind of like on that note, obviously you've mentioned like shows coming back and stuff. I know obviously you did Dreadfest the other weekend, but play, like supporting Napalm Death recently. So how was that? Oh, that was really cool, man. Yeah, like um, obviously like listening to Napalm since I was a kid. So being able to support them was like a bucket list tick. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, it, was, it was absolutely cool as hell. Um, yeah, and it like this crowd was great. Like, yeah, it was it was really cool, man. Did you get to Did you get to meet yeah. them guys as well? Uh, no, they was kind of like tucked away up in the green room for most of the show, and I was busy just enjoying myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> and obviously, like I mentioned, Dreadfest. But I know because we you, you went there for the whole weekend. You were just there for the for the friday weren't you yeah just the friday yeah i mean we were supposed to be um chilling out for the whole weekend but i had a bunch of stuff come up so mm. i sadly had to duck out after the friday but how how did you find it in general because i think like for like a small size fest i think it's really well run and like it just yeah. oh yeah meg, meg does a great job man like i've i think i've been to the last like three good times and it's just great every year like it's just been it's been, she hits the nail on the head with all the bands that she puts on yeah and she, like as as a promoter and a host she's perfect like you know it's it, top notch that's it like I, I got to like speak to her briefly like this this year but honestly how she does it like being like I, I, and i don't want this to sound degrading at all but like full-time like mum like yeah, yeah doing like uni studies and all that stuff and booking a fucking fest it's like absolutely i know insane. yeah managing all these idiot bands on top <laughs> yeah. of all that do you know what i mean like you've got to give her a round of applause for yeah it, most definitely yeah how she manages it is beyond me <laughs> I, I i can barely manage myself <laughs> <laughs> but yeah as i say like i always like to kind of take my guests back to their like roots and sort of origins so like what kind of got you into alternative music to start with? Like, what what was the jumping in point? Uh, I guess like my dad, man. Like, uh, when I was a kid, he'd like show me like punk and, and stuff like that, like DBH, Discharge, uh, Sex Pistols, and it sort of started from there. And um, as well as that, he'd show me stuff like Depeche Mode, Cure, and Joy Division. It, yeah, that's where it all started. And then when I got to like probably around 12 years old, started hanging out with my older brother and his mates who were like metalheads. And uh, it, yeah, snowballed from there. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess like, because obviously on that note, as you say, like with your dad kind of introducing you to stuff, was, yeah. was like, they're kind of like music always like around the house and stuff then? Yeah, I mean, like growing up, I, as early as I can remember, I was like stealing my dad's CDs and tapes and he was playing music and yeah. It's just a constant throughout my life in just playing music and showing me stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Were there kind of any particular bands that you, you were drawn to? Um, I guess mostly when I, was, when I was a kid, I was more like, I was more like Discharge and like, yeah, the Sex Pistols and The Cure. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty much it. Those those were like my three bands that I remember just stealing his CDs constantly, <laughs> yeah. putting them in the wrong cases and pissing him off. <laughs> <laughs> have you um have you caught much of like Discharge on like since they've done that recent like mega t- tour that they were on? Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. I saw them play at uh, Boom last year, um, which was great. It was, it was, I think it was last year, was it? I can't remember. Um, I've slept a lot since then. I, was, I, I swear <laughs> they've just been like, they've been a band that like once COVID restrictions were dropped, they've just literally been on tour non-stop. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, credit to them, man. They're like old dudes still sticking it, still still in the van. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. But because the reason I ask, because I actually had this conversation with um, with another friend actually at Dreadfest, and they were okay. they were saying that like it's like it's really weird how like in a way COVID has kind of helped them it, like especially being like older dudes as well because I think they saw them like maybe two thousand seventeen two thousand eighteen and they were just a bit like eh about it mm. and then obviously like off the back yeah, of yeah. like COVID you've got that like spike of people just wanting to go to any show possible and obviously like them probably feeling a little bit reinvigorated as well. And it was just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, with uh, JJ in the bands and like, he's, he's just brought a whole new energy again now. And like, like you say that they just, they feel rejuvenated mm. like watching them again. Cause I, I did catch them as well. Like endless times before COVID and I can probably agree. It was a bit like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, one too bothered, but after COVID, like yeah, just nailed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then you kind of said like obviously like following like your older brother and like him and his friends being sort of like metalheads and stuff. So what kind of era like metal are we talking? Are we talking like new metal or are we going straight in on the hard stuff? I mean, like I guess when I was like. I remember buying Papa Roach's album, like, from the shop. And that was, like, when I first started properly listening to, like, new metal and stuff. And I guess that was when I was... I must have been eight, I guess, eight, nine. Uh, and then I remember hanging out with my brother and his mates, and they were listening to, like, The Berserker. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, holy shit, what <laughs> yeah. is this? Like, and I was just hooked. I was just like, blast beats, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and then like, it was um, sort of like early 2000s, uh, like metalcore and stuff like that, like Unearth. Um, yeah, stuff like that. And obviously Slipknot were a big influence on me growing up mm. um, because my dad got into those. Um, and yeah, just used to blast them constantly, and yeah, just but that early two thousands was just cool. Yeah, music. yeah, yeah. So then, like, when did you kind of like? I guess, I mean, like, the Berserker is pretty like extreme ends <laughs> of things, but like, yeah. when did you kind of like? I guess, kind of move into like, I guess, the more sort of like grindcore, like sort of like hardcore sort of side of things that. I guess is maybe a bit more associated with the music that you're playing today sort of thing. Yeah, I guess it, off the back of um, listening to the Berserker, I was like, I think they were on Earache. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I went through like the Earache roster and I was just like, holy fucking shit. Did the exact same with all the other bands. You know, like you used to buy a CD and read the insert and see what bands were like credited mm. and thanked. And then just go on LimeWire and try and fucking download it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The good old days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, it's like sort of snowballed from then again um, and just finding more and more bands and then got into like 
hardcore from there because obviously the metal hardcore crossover and stuff you know it just went from there yeah and because like were you like always kind of like actively like digging for bands and stuff or was it kind of like your brother brother and dad showing you stuff and then you kind of going off and searching for your own things uh at the start it was them guys like showing me stuff because i guess i did i i, I was still delve into it properly you know i was like, i was still quite young at that time and uh yeah it got to a point where i was like what they were showing me wasn't wasn't scratching it yeah yeah so I, that's when i started dig like digging into what I wanted to listen to and find bands that I liked. And I would, I would literally listen to everything <laughs> and just be like, yeah, this is cool. This is shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, so it, it was a bit of both, really. Yeah. And then the kind of other thing that I always kind of like find intriguing about people's sort of like musical journey is like, yeah, it's all well and good, like listening to, to stuff on record. But I think the real connection is when you kind of see that stuff live for the first time. Yeah. So, yeah. so what were your like early gigs that you were going to? Uh, so I remember the first big gig that I went to was uh, we watched Corn. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was it was a really cool experience, man. Like my dad took my brother to the MEN Arena in uh, Manchester to see Corn for his birthday, and me and my dad had just like chilled around Manchester for a day and we went back to the MEN arena to pick my brother up and Corn were only just starting and uh, this tout came up to my dad and he was like you can have two tickets for like 20 quid and my dad was like do you want to go in? I was like, <laughs> I was just like this little kid just like well fuck yeah like, <laughs> gonna piss my brother off because it's his birthday treat but whatever and then yeah like that that was my first experience of a big show. That's amazing. Uh, I can't remember how old it was. I think it was like the Untouchables tour. So yeah, early two thousands again. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, my next big show was I think it was the Unholy Alliance tour. Oh, nice. Um, Slipknot and Slayer, Hatebreed, Mastodon. Yeah, that was another good. Yeah, show. yeah, yeah. But so then, like, because this thing, I guess when you sort of like look at those like bigger shows and things like as a like a young person like you think oh that's kind of like unattainable and, and things like that so yeah when did you kind of like start seeing like the more kind of like diy side of things and realize like oh this is potentially something that i could get into and become a bit interested in it that way um so there was a club in peterborough called the park um or club with no name um depending on what era um and and the boys head as well which was like the boys head was just like some backstreet club man um they always used to be like hardcore shows hardcore shows there um like the vocalist of the infernal sea mm. used to be in a band called eviscerate ad um and they used to play there all the time with like bands like caliban used to come through uh fucking Knuckle Dust played like every other week as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, just loads of great bands used to go through the Boys Head or um, the Crown Pub as well. So there was a, like a good three or four venues in Peterborough where you could go and see like an underground show. Mm. Um, and the park, again, was like a staple, really. You know, like there was always a show every Friday at one point. Mm. Mm -hmm. um 
so yeah that was basically where it started I could go to these kind of underground shows when I was a kid my dad had let me off free reign and probably go with my brother and pick on me with his friend <laughs> <laughs> leave me to defend for myself <laughs> Thing, um, like, was it kind yeah. of like that you knew that they were happening or was it like your brother had gone oh there's this these kind of like smaller shows that similar bands to like your Slipknots or like bands that were influenced by them were playing these smaller yes. shows yeah so it was him again and um again the old singer of Razor Eater Ben mm. he's a few years older than us but like I've known him for years because his uh, sister is dating my best friend. Oh, well, okay. Married to now. <laughs> um, so he always used to like just force it down on X as well and be like, yo, this show is happening at the park, come along. Um, and yeah, as soon as you start going to those shows, you see the posters on the wall for the next band and you're just like, cool, I'm going to go to that. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then, yeah, that's where it goes. And were there kind of any like early shows like? In, the, in those venues that kind of like stick out in the memory that kind of, I don't know, maybe had a lasting effect that maybe got you to start thinking, oh yeah, this is definitely something I could do. Uh, not not any that like stick in my mind. Because um, I, I guess I started playing in bands pretty early. Um, so as early as I can remember going to shows, I was playing in bands that were playing those shows. Right, okay. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Probably the Caliban <laughs> show. Like, I remember watching Caliban and just being like, holy fucking shit. Like, yeah, yeah. This, this is cool as hell. And the park was, you know, it was no bigger than Boom. Yeah. Um, probably a little bit smaller. And obviously Caliban got to the um, lofty heights that they did at one point. Yeah, it yeah. It was like a cool, cool thing to see them in that setting. That's cool. So then I think this, that's a good point to kind of like move on to your kind of like actual sort of musical journey. And as I say, like, we know you as the guitarist of, of Razory, but was so was guitar always like the thing that you were drawn to or did you kind of dabble with anything else before? Um, so I did originally want to be a drummer. Uh, me and my brother started playing instruments at the same time. And he took on drums. Uh, well, we were sort of like, what do you want to play? What do I want to play? Because like in our heads, like we can just jam together. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, obviously both in the same music, live together at that that young age. So it was like you play this, I'll play that, and we'll be in a band together. Uh, so I was like, I want to play drums, and he just straight up was like, No, that's me. <laughs> You've got to play something else. So I was like, Okay, I'll play guitar, uh, and I. Try to dabble in drums now, but I'm glad I never took up. I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm any better at guitar either. <laughs> but like, so like from there, then like obviously, in a way, kind of like by default that you you picked it up. Yeah. But like, I don't know. When you started like learning, were there any kind of guitarists that you sort of looked up to, or like that you kind of wanted to emulate, or did you just kind of think, okay, I've got this thing now. I'm just going to figure it out kind of thing. It was always Mick Thompson from Slipknot, man. Yeah. I always. Um, my first guitar that my dad bought me uh, was like a Fender, uh, well, a Squire Stratocaster. 
and it just sat in my bedroom for like six months. I'd like noodle on it a little bit. But I just hate it. I just hate it. Like, um, and then he came home one day and he'd been saving up. Like, bless him, he'd been saving up because he knew I loved Slipknot and Nick Thompson. He bought me like this uh, Slipknot Mick Thompson warlock. Yeah. And he just presented it with me, uh, to me and I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> like, this is the fucking holy grail. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's the one that had like the hate written up the front. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Fuck, like, holy shit. Um, and then, yeah, that was when I like picked it up properly. Um, yeah, and then it just sort of went from there. So I was just playing Slipknot riffs on my Slipknot guitar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just didn't have the mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then, obviously, you mentioned, like, your brother was obviously, like, doing drums and stuff. So so were you kind of, like, in that early phase? Were you and him, like, jamming together? And did that kind of... Yeah, Did well, that go um, on to form anything? Uh, we used to jam together. Um, but then he joined, like, a, a band with his friends. Um, and then went off to drum college and... London. Right. So I was still quite young at this point, I guess. Um, so then I found like my own group of friends and started jamming with them. I got invited to join a band called Wargrave, um, which we were just like a Himsa ripoff. Band. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, and that was like my first band that I joined properly. Yeah. But I wasn't even playing guitar, I was playing bass. So oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did that come about then? Uh, the, like, their bassist just was, was terrible, man. Like, they wouldn't <laughs> plug him in at shows. Like, he was just there. Like, every show they played, like, uh, he'd just be running around the stage being a madman. Right. Not even plugged in. So they were like, right, we, we actually need a bassist. <laughs> so, um, Sam who was my best mate, uh, who eventually became the guitarist of Razor Eater as well, asked me to join. So yeah, I took bass up and joined that. So then in terms of kind of like, we'll get into sort of like the more bands and stuff, but I'm just interested is, cause obviously where he was obviously uh, an influence on like your kind of musical taste and <laughs> essentially you learning the guitar, but is your, yeah. is your brother still like, involved in music in any way or is he kind of like yeah 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 um he's he's in a band at the moment i'd, I'd say they're kind of like a like a post-rock band um well they they kind of sound like uh who do they sound like a bunch of bands um <laughs> 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 uh, no he, he's still like heavily involved in music and like yeah uh i think if it wasn't for me throwing him out of our band, our band uh, pre-Razor Eater, we'd probably still be in a band together. <laughs> you know, the tables turn, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So then, yeah, you mentioned obviously like that that first band that you like joined was obviously you were playing bass. So yep. did that band kind of do much or was it just sort of very much like local kind of stuff? I mean, yeah, man, like we, we, the first show that I played with them was um, with Partway Drive. Oh, wow. And Fucking it, hell. It was Partway Drive's first ever show out of Australia. That's amazing. Yeah, that's kind of like my claim to fame, but <laughs> look at them now and look at me. 
<laughs> they've achieved a lot and I really haven't really. I don't know they, they might still think hey do you remember that guy that we played with the first time we played the I mean, UK it's, it's funny you say that because um, at that show their van broke down and my dad fixed it for them okay um, and then they ended up playing Peterborough about five years later and they were like quite big at this point. And they literally saw my dad walking through the show and they'd like call him. I was like, you fix our back. Uh, and then just like sorted him out a bunch of merch, like bought him a load of drinks, like signed a, signed a CD for him, which he's still got now. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So they were actually like really cool guys, man. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Did you watch the documentary they did? Yeah, the, that show was on that documentary. Oh, fuck. Yeah, there's footage from that show on that documentary. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy thinking about it, man. Like, because, like I said, that they're, they're they're massive. Aren't yeah, they? yeah, yeah. Like, and it's cool to look back that my first ever show playing in a band live was their first show out of Australia. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. But yeah, like, so you, well, I guess that's like an incredibly like fortuitous like starting point but yeah like i don't know like yeah did you kind of do much, much else like were you did you tour much or was it just as i say kind of very much within like the local scene that you kind of kept up yeah like we got about a bit i mean like we weren't a band for that long because it kind of imploded because we were all like young kids and there's there's some big personality mm. in the band um and it just sort of imploded on itself because we all just Grew to dislike each other very quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess because we were the, like the only kind of kids around playing that music, and we forced ourselves into this band because we wanted to play that kind of music. But we weren't really friends, like right. not really. Um, I think there's only like two of them that I'm mates with now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and one of them is is Sam Gollins, our old guitarist. Yeah, Razor. Yeah. So then, obviously, kind of moving on from there. Then, like, what was your, what was the first band that you were like, actually the guitarist of? Then, uh, that was a band called Hex. Uh, I feel like was... I recognise that name. Uh, so there, there's been like a couple of bands called Hex. Uh, okay. In the UK scene, um, there was like a hardcore. Uh, well, we were called Unloved to begin with, uh, and then there was like a hardcore punk band that came out around the same sort of time called Unloved. Right. So we changed our name to Hex. Uh, and I think after we disbanded, another band started called Hex. Oh, okay. But I don't think they lasted too long. <laughs> um, you know, like most bands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that was my first uh, band playing guitar, I guess. And uh, that was with my brother. We eventually started a band. Oh, nice. Um, and that was basically... Uh, Razor Eater, pre-Razor Eater. Um, we were kind of playing like dark hardcore mixed with grindcore. Like, my brother couldn't really blast. Right. Uh, he's more like just a straight-out punk drummer, like DBs. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I was listening to like death metal, grindcore, and stuff like that. Um, and I just wanted to play faster, faster, faster. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he he couldn't, so we kind of had to stick to like a dark hardcore feel because that's what he could play yeah um which was cool man like we, we were basically like a cursed ripoff nice <laughs> um 
we, yeah, we did a bunch of stuff with that band. Toured, uh, did some music videos, uh, released a bunch of records. Yeah, yeah. So, out of like those two bands, what was like the first experience of you kind of like actually going out and touring? Um, I'd say I think Wargrave did like a five-day run at one point. Yeah. Uh, I think we were like just out of year six. Oh wow! Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, year six? No, not year six. That's fucking well year. <laughs> <I was> <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Uh, I'm chatting shit. <laughs> um, no, it was like year. What's the last school year? Year eleven. Year eleven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just out of year eleven, I think. I was yeah, going to say, year I, six, I'd be well young. Yeah, yeah, don't listen to me. I was 16. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I meant to say. Um, yeah, so I think we did like a little five-day stint with them. Um, and that was like my first experience with touring. Mm. And I think my dad drove it. Um, yeah, he rented us a van and drove us around. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, my dad. My dad's always been like super supportive of everything, like, and just tried to like push us towards what we wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. So, what was that like? I guess being so young, like, you kind of just probably were enjoying the experience more than anything. But like, what was the kind of that first like outings on the road like for you? Uh, I, I mean, like, you're a young kid going out in shows, it's like exhilarating. Mm. You know, because you just like, how, how is this happening? You know, you've seen all these bands and listened to all these bands, and this is where they all start. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, going out, and you, you know, most bands or, that we listen to all start young, so it felt like you know this was the start of the road, and yeah, like it's the road hasn't ended. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're we're still on it, <laughs> still in the van. <laughs> So I'm I'm just intrigued. Like, how did you manage like, like booking shows and stuff? Uh, so our vocalist was like just super. He just used to network all the time, hmm. and were signed to like some shitty little label at the time. And that the girl that ran that record label just book everything for us. Oh, okay. Book and stuff. Um. Yeah. Like. It's I I wasn't really involved in that type of thing. I'd just show up and play bass, <laughs> yeah. um, and it was it was like yeah we're playing this show, cool, like, and yeah so I wasn't too involved in that. Yeah. At that point. <coughs> so then, if we kind of like fast forward a little bit to to get to where like Razorita sort of begins, obviously as you said, like you were doing Hex, which was essentially the same members plus your brother like (laughs) and i don't want to maybe like bring up like bad blood or anything like that but like (laughs) in terms of like that transition because as you say like you wanted to play faster and stuff and maybe and your brother wasn't able to was that like a difficult conversation or did your brother kind of realize and was sort of like yeah you know what i just can't like keep pace sort of thing i i I guess it kind of it, it did the band did come to an ugly end Mm. Uh, but not via me and my brother. Oh, okay. Um, so it's like my brother and the vocalist fell out. Ended up having like some stupid fist fight over some dumb shit. Um, and then it was basically we s- stopped playing from there. Mm. Um, and then 
I think I was out of playing bands for about a year and then talking to the other guys from Hex so I was just like should we carry on get someone out because um, obviously we wanted to go in a different direction from where my brother was yeah uh, and everyone was like well yeah if you want to do that then we'll do that uh, so obviously breaking it to my brother was a little bit of a hard conversation I guess mm. but at that point he, he was over it like, <laughs> yeah he was doing his own thing like he he started a band that like did pretty well for themselves um they toured with like Ent shikari and stuff oh sick yeah like played like a bunch of massive venues like yeah so he wasn't too bothered <laughs> yeah, <I> was <laughs> if anything he was happy to be happy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then obviously like when razory is sort of like starts as you say like with hex obviously it's kind of a as you say, like a cursed kind of rip-off sort of... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Stuff. And obviously, like, I guess that early kind of razory of material isn't too far removed from that. It's obviously got that, like, more kind of, like, faster edge to it, a bit more in tune style and things like yeah. that. But was that kind of, like... I don't know, what was the kind of initial focus of, like, what you wanted the sound of razory to be like? Um... I, I guess, like, yeah, just sort of entombed and, like, that whole HM2 hardcore, because we're obviously, we're like, we're into death metal, grindcore, but we were still hardcore kids, mm. like punk kids, so we, we wanted to mix everything together, and obviously, bands like Nails have been about for a bit, um, you know, they're, like, and Silent Death EP, and I can't remember the EP before that, what it's called, um, but yeah, like, those sort of bands, and then, like, um, Obviously, stuff like trap them, mm. um, yeah, just mixing all those elements of death metal and hardcore. It was just, yeah, you wanted to sound like that. And because, like, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of seems like straight from like the off, like there was a bit of attention around like you guys, and and I think it's because, like, as you say, like it was a time when like that sound was obviously very big in like the American sort of scene, as you say, like you had like trap them, you had like obviously cursed were kind of coming to an end, but they were still a very sort of popular band. You had yeah. like black breath that were just coming out. You had nails yeah. and stuff like that. But I don't think we'd really seen that from like a UK band. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know, like, did you kind of like, I don't know. Did did you have that feel that it was like immediacy that people were paying attention, or did it kind of take a little while to kind of get there? Um, well, I think we re we released one song to begin with, um, and as soon as we put it up, we were just get a message like um, because I obviously I I still talk to people from when we were in Hex, yeah, that were in the scene and stuff, and I was like, look, started a new band, we're gonna put a track up soon keep your eyes and ears held for it and as soon as it went up like people would decide fuck like, this is cool thankfully because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it could have gone the other way but... <laughs> um i think it was like uh matt phillips from and uh end rain at the time yeah um who's now in geist 
geese told me a thing. Yeah, I don't know. I never know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, he actually messaged me and he was like, dude, like, there's this record label that I think would be really interested in releasing this, which was Church of Fuck. Yeah. Um, and he put me in contact with the guy that was running that at the time, Ollie. Um, he put our first tape out. And yeah, it just went from there, man. Like, we, we seemed to, like, up north, seemed to, like, cling on to it first. Mm. Um, and then it just went from there, really. Mm. But I, th- I think you are right. I think it was the fact that not many UK bands, if any, at the time, were doing that style that made people a, a bit more like, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, like, Let It Die... Um, we're doing a similar sort of thing, but they're a little bit more hardcore influenced, I'd say, than than we were. Yeah, we're a little bit more metal. Um, and you had like throats before that, like again, we're sort of on the grindcore, hardcore, um, like border. Yeah. Um, but they've been disbanded for a little while. I think we sort of filled that void mm. because in the early days we did have a lot of comparison to throats because we were like abrasive we'd go mad on stage and a lot of people were like that's that's kind of like throat yeah 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 <laughs> yeah um which was which was cool because I've, I've always loved throats <laughs> yeah. um, and i'm mates with those guys so to get compared to them was cool yeah and and like you kind of mentioned as well like there was the kind of like, there was a weird kind of like north south divide for for a little while, yeah. and I remember like because obviously this was a period when I was like booking shows, and it was like you guys were were playing like I think there was a period like the further south you would come was maybe London, yeah, and then like no further, so it was like and at the time I wasn't really traveling around as much, so I was sort of like I want to see this band, but they're stuck up north sort of thing, but yeah, there, yeah. but it was also like. As you say, like you had End Rain, you had like Iced Out, you had oh fucking hell, uh, like esoteric, es- es- youth. Yeah, esoteric youth, yeah, like the all those kind of like Church of Fuck bands as well, yeah. Like I don't know, like for your from your perspective as well, like was it kind of like really just buzzing up north, like when you guys kind of like kicked off. Yeah, man. I mean, like you had the whole Manchester scene at the team at the time was absolutely booming. All those bands were from like Manchester area or up north, and then you had obviously like the Leeds scene, which is which has always been buzzing, like for punk and stuff. Um, so yeah, there was like I would agree there was like a north south divide, and at the time the, the north scene, the grim north. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hang on to the grim music a little bit more than than the south. <laughs> and then, in terms of kind of like, I, d- I guess sort of like going out and sort of like eventually kind of like talk, say like do do more extensive tours in the UK and like going out into like Europe and things. Like, obviously, like your sound has changed throughout time, but I think yeah. in the sort of early days, even though. You, it still had those like faster like grindcore leanings. You did kind of get like I, I don't know, I don't want to say l- like lumped in, but like the bands you were playing with were maybe a bit more on the like traditional metal or hardcore side of things. Yeah, yes. So I don't know. Did you kind of find that like 
a good thing because you were kind of like the odd one out and it kind of like opened people up a bit more to you or did you kind of find it like well these are just the people we're with we're just going to kind of roll with it sort of thing uh no i'd 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 say i'd agree with the first thing you said yeah like it made us stick out a little bit Mm. and make people be like holy shit you know like we'd be on like metal shows or we'd be on like punk shows because people didn't know what show to put us on yeah um, and then, you know, without trying to sound like an asshole, it make us stick out. Mm. So people sort of took a, a, a little bit more notice of us, I think. Mm. Um, which again was was cool for us, you know, because as long as people like your band, that's great, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like from those kind of like, I guess the earlier tours. So I'm I'm kind of talking around like sort of 2013 2012 sort of era like when you like that the first... old days <laughs> yeah, but like when like the first ep and, and the split with iced out kind of came out like because i think that was when people were starting to maybe like see your name a bit more regularly and, and things like mm. that so i don't know was it were there kind of any shows or any kind of like periods during that time that you can remember like oh shit like we're we're getting more attention from like people that aren't just our peers and things like that and we're we're getting more attention further afield because obviously this was a time when the internet was just starting to be what it is now as well yeah yeah um i would probably say it was sometime after our tour with iced out because um i think the, the iced out tour happened off the back of us playing uh fuck fest which was uh like an all-day fest, Church of Fuck put on basically, yeah. just like, loads of Church of Fuck bands, and that's when we got um, tied in with Iced Out and met those guys. Agreed to do the split with them and the tour with them, and then after that is when I can remember it, like taking off. And yeah, yeah. People, like just getting messaged constantly from people like yourself, like that we didn't know just wanting to put us on shows like yeah it was it was kind of um it was a cool turning point um because you know we went from being like an unknown and having to chase shows to people chasing us for show mm. um and like w- wanting to reach out to us and stuff which was cool it was a very cool turning point yeah so then if we kind of move to where I guess the the full length was because I think that was a record that obviously had a lot of ups and downs and, and things like that. And I think yeah, it was, and I don't mean this kind of disrespectfully, but there was kind of a time when like it felt like Razor Eater kind of went a bit dormant and then all of a sudden like, oh, there's this full length sort of thing. So yeah, I don't know, like was that a kind of a difficult period for you to kind of like, so are, we, are we talking about the newest record or or vacuum vacuum oh yeah okay yeah so um we, we basically we were just we touring so much man right, and we just didn't have we sort of wrote uh vacuum of Nile between doing loads of shows like, mm. we played we were playing an unbelievable amount of shows um i remember like we'd play like two shows a week at one point um and yeah, 
we stopped playing shows for a little while because we like you know life happens and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we recorded Vacuum, and Vacuum took a little while to come out. Um, just again through like as trying to get on with our lives as well as do the band as well. Uh, and there was a little bit of turmoil, I think, like leading through that record. Um, just not only within the band, but within ourselves, like personally and whatnot, and it all sorts of build into the band as well. Because uh, a few of us were living together. Yeah. And living with your bandmates is never good. <laughs> <laughs> never good. <laughs> that always leads to plenty of headaches. Um, but yeah, and when Vacuum came out, like it, it sort of got rolling again. Mm. Um, and again, we started getting um, a lot more like reach and stuff, getting asked to play bigger shows. Um, and it started taking off again. And then I think I think it'd been out for about a year, and just suddenly it just came to a grinding halt. Yeah, um, and that's yeah, kind of when we disbanded for a bit. Mm. Uh, and yeah, that was a very, um, very very uh, strange situation. Yeah. <laughs> I just want, I want to kind of touch on that in a, in a minute, but just if we stick with kind of vacuum for a little bit, because yeah. obviously, like, as you say, like you were kind of like writing it in between sort of like doing shows and doing tours and, and so on and so forth. But like, was I don't know, to, like to have that kind of break before the record kind of came out, was that like a conscious choice or was it kind of like just the fact that you were like, I don't want to say burnt out, but like you just needed that time to kind of like maybe refocus a little bit. I'd say we were definitely burnt out. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, without a doubt. Like I said, we were playing so many shows and it got to a point where like we we were putting the band before everything else and uh, not having much to show for it, to be honest with you. Um, and it just came to a point where it... it it became like monotonous yeah. to a certain degree. Um, and so I wouldn't say it was uh, something that we planned to happen, anything like that. It was just, we, yeah, it just came to a stop for a little while. Mm. Um, probably too refocused. Yeah. yeah. You're probably right there. And then, like, as you say, like, because obviously once that kind of, once that record was out, it was a, not like a oh the return of Razor Eater, but it was yeah. again it was again like people were like, Oh yeah shit, Razor Eater are a band sort of thing. Yeah. And and like it was like that kind of pickup of interest again. Yeah, yeah. So like and obviously please feel free to like go into as little or as much detail as you want to in, in regards to this. But as you say, because like things did then come to a screeching halt, like did it kind of feel like that your momentum had kind of stopped because again, like you'd kind of had this pick me up off the back of a vacuum. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Did it kind of, was that screeching halt a bit of a like, Oh fuck. Like we've just got the momentum behind us again and now we're having to stop. Yeah, it, it was, it was a bit like that. Um, cause it, it really felt like the ball was rolling. Um, like I said, we were getting off the bigger shows. Um, and we were, 
being we're able to be a bit more selective with the shows that we're playing and um yeah like getting offered to play with like rotten sound cult cult leader like big shows um playing with weekend nachos stuff like that you know these bands are like reaching out to us mm. to play which like you know that's cool these these are bands that we idolize to a certain yeah. degree um so yeah when when it all came to a grinding halt suddenly it was a bit of a a kick in the teeth mm. because you know for some of us we were we were just getting back into it you know we were like we wanted to carry on so when it stopped it was a bit of a bit of a kick in the teeth for yeah sure. <clears throat> and obviously like because of, of that of that's kind of the reason why there's been this big break up until where we are kind of now. But I don't know for you, like personally, cause I don't like, and I don't want this to sound like it's your band, but like, obviously you're a big element of Razor Eater and you're kind of one of few original members still in the one band. Two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't know when that kind of moment happened, was there kind of, a conversation that you had with yourself that you were like, well, okay, sh- let's knock this on the head, like, and do something new. Cause that, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at is like, what made you persevere and continue it as razor eater rather than like scrap that we'll do something new. Um, I guess wait, cause when we, um, disbanded and it broke up, um, like Luke, our drummer went off to London um, and joined a band called Discomfort mm-hmm. started touring straight away uh, and I, I did have that conversation with myself I was like right that's it you know it's over done with and I was quite happy with that fact for a little while uh, and you know, the rest of the guys were as well because they started getting on with their own lives like the, the two Sams had kids uh, Ben was just starting a career um, being a, a barber uh, so you know we were all quite happy with it and Luke was off doing his thing and then uh, I think probably like three or four years went by and uh, me and Luke just started getting together to jam again mm. and we'd just as soon as we started jamming we just jamming Razor Eater stuff right? and then he was basically just like should we just start it up again uh, because we'd go to shows and people would be like where's Razor Eater <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, as much as I was happy with it being over, there was still that niggling little feeling that, like, I weren't finished with it yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, jamming with Luke, it was started with me and Luke again. Um, and it, yeah, it took off from there. We got the other guys back involved. Uh, and the only one that didn't come back in was Ben, mm. um, the vocalist. And that's where we got Moore's involved. And who's on the vocalist. Yeah. And, co- like, again, go into as, as little or as much detail on this as, as you want. But, and obviously, like, as you mentioned, Ben w- was off kind of doing a, his, again, his career started in, in Barbara and sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So when you kind of, like, did start up again, and obviously now you've bought in Moore's, like, was there a conversation with, Ben at all to say like are you okay with this or was he completely out by that point <laughs> um 
I th- I, yeah, a conversation did happen. Um, it was on a it was on a very drunk night out. <laughs> sadly, sadly, like we did we did invite Ben back, um, and he I think he just didn't really take it seriously, right? Because of, um, and he I think he was just out at that point. Yeah, and he just didn't really take it seriously, and the rest of us started jamming again. Re- reached out to him a few times. It's been like, look, do you want to come hang out? on a jam and yeah just uh, no avail so uh, I think me and Luke took the reins on um, where we were like let's just find some yeah um, which was a hard thing for Sam our guitarist because like I said his um, now wife is Ben's sister yeah it was a bit of a bit of a political family thing for <laughs> Sam which he found hard because when Ben found out that we'd got a new vocalist, he he almost was uh, like upset. With, he was upset. With it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, then I had the conversation with him on a drunken night out, where I just put it to him and I was like, "Look, we gave you the opportunity, and you didn't take it. So here we are." Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he's still a bit annoyed about. <laughs> <laughs> but i mean we're, we're still friends man like you know yeah it's no, no bad blood between friends i think you know it's just something that he started and that he was proud of um at the time um so it's kind of you know like watching you watching the love of your life go off with someone else i guess yeah 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 definitely no i get that <laughs> um but then in terms of kind of like I guess, as you say, like when you kind of started getting things back up, up again, and like by the time you'd got to like vacuum, the like the grindcore influence was starting to get in there a bit more. So, yeah. but obviously, with the new record, it is there front and center to, for everyone to see. Yeah, yeah. So, was that like a decision that you made, like when you kind of all got back together? It was like, right, we want to hit this like hard and fast this time round. I, I just think it was like a natural progression from where we were going. Because, I mean, some of the songs on the new record, we wrote just after the vacuum. Right, okay. And so, yeah, it was just like a, a natural progression for where the band was going. Like, we were all um, we were all getting into... Well, not getting into, but we wanted to introduce faster, more abrasive stuff. Uh, and obviously, Luke had the talent mm. to be able to for me and Sam, the other guitarist, to do that. Yeah. Because um, Luke is just a fucking monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know how the kid does it. <laughs> no. But so, then... yeah, I, th- I, think, I think it was just, um, yeah, it was a natural progression for it to get louder and more abrasive. Because that, that's always what we're going for, you know? Yeah. Like, just it to be horrible. <laughs> And obviously, like you may, like you mentioned there, that some of the tracks you were kind of written off the back of vacuum. But yeah. in terms of like release time, it's been like five years, sort of mm-hmm. thing. So I don't know, like when you were kind of like coming round to writing the new record, like especially because obviously a lot of the key components were still there at the at the time, sort of thing. So was yeah. it very much just like 
jumping back on the horse sort of thing in terms of like getting that rhythm of writing or did you kind of like take your time in in terms of like thinking of how you wanted this record to sound and how you wanted to structure it no it was literally just jump back straight on the horse yeah and yeah literally like it, it just picked up where it left off um because uh again not trying to sound like an arsehole like Rita was kind of like always me having a stronghold and stuff Mm. writing most of the riffs and if Sam wrote something I would bastardise it and then, <laughs> then I wrote it <laughs> um, so yeah like getting back getting back together it was just basically like it, it's just how I write stuff so it didn't feel like there was any pressure or, or a certain direction that we wanted to take it just picked up my guitar and wrote some riffs because hmm. I'm not that good <laughs> so whatever comes out comes out <laughs> and then in terms of kind of like I guess there's the sort of lineage of it and like the release of it because obviously it came out like during a time of, of like COVID and things like that and it's like I don't know it was a weird time for people to like be in music in general but I think like it also kind of helped a lot of people because people had nothing else to do but listen to music and and dig around and stuff yeah, yeah. so I don't know like was to, like was it was there always a plan to like release it pre-pandemic or did it just line up that that's how it kind of landed and maybe that added to a bit of an additional swell in attention because people had more time to listen to music? Um, I don't think it was like a conscious effort. We did have the initial recording session booked for the week that the the, the COVID lockdown happened the first Oh, week. shit. Yeah, so that got like knocked on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, then obviously we sat on it for a bit and we couldn't jam, couldn't do anything. Um, and it, it, it kind of felt like uh you know we were getting the wheels turning again and then it was like an abrupt uh, an abrupt stop again so yeah it was a bit disheartening um so we we didn't do anything for a little while and i think we recorded it in the september mm. um of that year because we were sat on it for a year mm. before we released it um and then yeah we we just because we were sat on it for so long we just wanted it out yeah um because the, the the pandemic had no end in sight at that point and we were trying to just hold on to it until we could release it and play shows mm. but then obviously that wasn't that wasn't on the cards so we were just like like get it out then, and then yeah it'll give people a chance to listen to it and then we can go out and play shows yeah yeah you know it'll get it'll probably give us an opportunity to gauge how well it's gone and like give people a chance to be like uh, this band of good or shit <laughs> 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 and make them want to book us when when uh, shows start happening yeah and because obviously like there had been as i say like in terms of like outsider perspective like mm. obviously you're doing all the things behind the scenes in terms of like writing getting back together jamming and so on and so forth but like mm. 
from just seeing what exists in the vacuum of the internet, obviously there is this period of like, we're not a band to five years later, oh, we've got a new record sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know, did you kind of like, not that like obviously you planned it that way, but like, did you kind of like see it as a, as an opportunity to kind of like almost hit the refresh in, in some aspect rather than it be like, teased as, as such like oh razor you've got a new album we're getting back together and like all oh, this sort of thing it was yeah. more it was just like a boom we're back sort of thing yeah yeah i mean like i i don't think we ever like officially announced that we've broken up yeah so, yeah so people are always a little bit like what's happening yeah um, and then like you say when when we dropped the record like we'd only told a few people because we'd only seen a few people like, yeah yeah um and you know, like after, after the razor, I sort of became an internet hermit and didn't really talk to many people. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was it was like a sort of like a, a fucking fresh slab. Like here you go. Yeah. Um, so it, for a lot of people, it did come out of nowhere. Um, so yeah, I guess it was kind of like hitting the refresh button a little bit. Mm. Um, which which, it, which is a good thing, I guess. And obviously, like now. I know obviously he helped on, on the record, but obviously now you've gone from being a five piece to a four piece with Sam sort of stepping away and you and you taking sole responsibility of of guitar. Yeah. So how's that kind of been for you, like having to like readjust in in that aspect, especially in a live setting sort of thing? Uh I mean I just bought a fucking pedal, man. <laughs> 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 Uh, no, I mean, like, it, it sucked because uh, me and Sam grew up playing guitar together and, like, every band I've been in, he's been in. Uh, so, obviously, him taking the, um, taking the decision to focus on his young family mm. uh, was obviously a paramount for him and an understandable one. Uh, but for me, it was a little bit, like, daunting because mm. I've never been... Uh, lone guitarist in a band and I've always had Sam to fall back on because he was the talented one and I was just fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah like he, he'd carry my my uh, my shit <laughs> 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 but no um, in the live setting it's literally I, I, I just played through two amps um, still so I just bought myself a split pedal and we'd, we'd, we'd done it before um before we disbanded, like, you know, if, if um, Sam couldn't make a show or something last minute because he had kids. Mm. And obviously, when you have kids, stuff comes up. Um, I, would, I would just split amps then. Yeah. Um, so we'd, I just took took that on and sort of uh, just rolled with it and just trying to try to hone, my, hone myself in a little bit. Mm. Um, kind of made, probably made me step up my game a little bit and not be as much of a punk about my play. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> but and as well, um, uh, both Sam's left, um, because our bassist left as well. For yeah. Um, so, again, I've been in bands with both Sam's for a long time, so it's it gutting for both of them to leave. Mm. Um, but they've left for a very good reasons. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 
it, and we we always wrote everything together. So going from having those two to fall back on to just me <laughs> is like, <laughs> is a daunting thing. <laughs> and because obviously, like we mentioned, like when sort of like Razory of like first started, and even like previous bands, like it's sort of sound like you've always kind of like hit things hard but like as you say like there was a period with razor eater where you were doing like all these shows like mm. and sort of like yeah you were like just everywhere for a period of time yeah and obviously like age gets catches up with the best of us and, and things like <laughs> that we we all get adult <laughs> lives and so on and so forth but obviously like because like as we said like now there is an element of like hitting the refresh button a little bit mm. like i don't know has your kind of focus of like what you want razor eater to be now like has that kind of changed a little bit or are you have you just kind of like reassessed of of like how you're approaching the band uh yeah we definitely have reassessed how we're, we're approaching stuff uh, because like i said before we'd, we'd get offered a show and we'd fucking play it yeah um it didn't matter if it was on a tuesday night in fucking Truro <laughs> like, you know <laughs> we fucking drive it and then we drive back and go to work the next day but we, we are no longer the youths we used to be um, and we have we all have jobs sadly um, <laughs> uh, so yeah we, we try now to be a little bit more selective with what we're doing and uh, just try to be a little bit more business like I guess yeah as opposed to just a bunch of punk kids hopping in the van. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But have you kind of like, I don't know, because as you say, like you can be a bit more selective on like one-off shows and things like that, but have you mm. kind of, especially now where we're kind of like sort of, well, in terms of government restrictions, we're fully out of COVID, even though it still exists. But yeah, like, have you guys talked about potentials of doing tours and things? Or are you kind uh, of just like got, looking at things? Got one uh, on the way. It's it's uh, pretty much booked up. It's going to be in October. Oh, sick. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it, it's, it, it's kind of like uh, two long weekenders with like two or three days between. Nice. Um, just... Because we are old and we need to fucking reset. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're we're uh, that is something that we we are like chasing still. Like we do still want to tour and stuff. But, mm. but like I said, we're just being a little bit more selective and a little bit more um, grown up about it. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and just in terms of like, I know obviously, again in terms of like outsider looking in like the new record isn't like barely a year old sort of thing but mm. i know obviously like a lot of musicians they're already kind of on to the next thing yeah when, when that record's first comes out into the public domain yeah but as you kind of mentioned like now with both the sams kind of stepping away and there being an element of sole responsibility on on you yeah, and uh, like, and I, I know you said earlier, like that's just kind of the way that you've written. But have you kind of had to like, I don't know, curtail and readjust how you write for Razor Eater now, or has it kind of been a, is it a new challenge that you're kind of excited for? Uh, yeah, well, it's a daunting task because, like I said, I would, I would always have like the two Sams to bounce off of, mm. um, and like I said, if Sam would write a riff, I'd bastardize it. <laughs> yeah. 
and there's no there's no more of that <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it is it's just all me but uh, I guess the only difference we've got now is that um, Luke plays guitar okay uh, so I can bounce off Luke now um, and he he shows me riffs sometimes like that he's written and I can bastardize his riffs instead. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and our new bassist Bill, as well, like he he's um, he's been putting riffs forward, and he, he's only been in the band for like two months, I think. Mm. So you know, like it, I've got it from all angles again, like which is good, you know, because being being a sole guitarist, it can be hard. It can, be yeah. Hard. You, you you do need someone to be like that riff shit man yeah like, yeah yeah do you know what i mean because you can always just put anything in there and not appreciate it if you know what i mean because mm. you always need fresh ears i think yeah that's cool and and uh, the fact that we're we all live far apart means that we can't like just hang out on a weekday and yeah like, yeah you know so we have to uh, either demo stuff or wait till we practice. Mm. So, but yeah, having having Bill and Luke now is is cool. Yeah, yeah. Because because Luke's in Leeds, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Yeah. So where where are the other two? Uh, so Moore's is Leeds as well, and Bill is Keithley. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, which is just north of Bradford. Yeah. Which is, Funnily enough, where I'm from originally. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> so that, that's it, like, you, I know you mentioned, like, demoing and stuff, but, like, how often are you getting the chance to, like, actually get in a room and jam at the moment? Uh, well, before the this most recent run of shows, we were, we were probably getting together, like, every couple of weeks. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we did have another bassist before, Bill, which was Jonah, um, who is the guitarist in the Infernal Sea? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, when I was still living in Peterborough, well, me and Luke were. Um, we'd get together again twice a week, then uh, twice twice a month, sorry. Yeah. Um, and jam out then, and then when me and Luke moved to our respective cities, like there was a little bit of a break whilst we settled. Mm. Um, but now, yeah, now we're back on practicing as often as we can um and yeah just because we've had this rona shows recently we haven't yeah 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 we haven't needed to yeah so then in terms of kind of like looking forward as you say you've got this tour like lined up for for later in the year but in terms of like i guess new material and stuff have you kind of like started thinking about that or are you kind of is it still very embryonic stages no, yeah, we've um, we've got like a few songs written, um, a few like half songs that need finishing and whatnot. So yeah, we're definitely like something that we're moving towards, and we're gonna. I think we're gonna try and release a split with someone. And um, we've had quite a few offers, just to you know keep it fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then work towards a, a full length. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's all in the works. That's cool. Yeah, it's all in the works. Brilliant. Well, Stephen, before I do let you go, how I like to kind of end things is to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. 
So, what's your favourite Razor Eater song you like to play live, and why? Uh, either I Despises or One Last Nail. Uh, I Despises just because it's fucking horribly fast and it gets <laughs> to the point. Yeah. And One Last Nail because it's probably our most progressive song. With nice. Riff. Um, and it the first riff is just a himsa ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> so we really have gone full circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah so again, full circle, man. <laughs> Perfect. Brilliant. Stephen, thank you very much for your time, mate. It's been really cool mate. catching you up, man. Um, yeah, cool. And yeah, hopefully see you very, very soon. Yeah, hopefully so, man. Take cool. it easy. Cool. Take it easy. Bye bye. So there we have it, folks. Again, a huge thank you to Stephen for taking some time out of his day and having a little chat with me. Uh, as mentioned in the chat, Razor Eater will be hitting the road in October this year. So if they're coming to a town or city near you, make sure you go check them out. Um, and we're potentially exciting seeing new music from them a lot sooner rather than later as well. So, But as always, if you want to keep up to date with what they're doing, then you can do so on all their various social media platforms links to which will be in the description note of this episode. Um, but yeah, once again, that is it f- for us here at the Justin Inside podcast. Thank you again for stopping by, whether it's the first time you've listened to the show or the 219th time you've listened to the show. Thank you for stopping by and I will see you soon.